This episode is sponsored by Cyberlytica, combating fraud, account takeover, and information warfare. Get a free dark web password scan now from Cyberlytica. Use promo code HACKEDAGAIN. My guest today is Roger A. Grimes, a data-driven defense evangelist for Nobefore. Roger is a 33-year computer security consultant, instructor, holder of dozens of computer certifications, and author of 12 books. He's worked at some of the world's largest computer security companies, including Foundstone, McAfee, and Microsoft. He specializes in host and network security, quantum security, identity management, anti-malware, hackers, honeypots, public key, infrastructure, cloud security, cryptography, policy, and technical writing. Roger, thank you so much for all you do in the world of cyber and keeping us all safe. Our viewers and listeners really want to know, what's your cyber fear? What keeps Roger Grimes up at night? Well, you know, uh, easily, like, I, I, and by the way, thanks for uh, recounting all of my accomplishments and all. It's just a matter of being in this field for uh, over three decades. But what I really feel like, if professionally, if I die and I haven't made the internet a far safer place to compute, I'm going to feel like I failed. And let me say, for three decades, I've been trying literally 24-7 during all my waking hours, even when I was on honeymoons, when I go on vacations, I'm thinking about how to improve computer security, how to improve the security of the internet. And for three decades, it, it's just gotten worse. And it's gotten worse every year. Like, even when I think, like, at the end of every year, like, okay, you know, people ask, do you think we're going to do better next year? No, no, because if you look, like, and no matter how bad it is, like when ransomware was taking over hospitals, police stations, multiple cities, I was sitting there at the end of the year going, how could it get worse? And then they started doing double and quintuple extortion, you know? And, 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 and it's just like, it just gets worse. So what keeps me up at night is that we can, we actually have had the technical tools to make computing on the internet far safer. And it literally is just a matter of people coming together to decide to do it. And I wonder, will it happen before I die? Uh, because a part of me gets kind of depressed when I'm like, it doesn't seem to be getting better. And we actually have the tools to do it. It's just that we don't have we don't have the the come togetherness. So anyways, that's what keeps me up at night. It haunts me. Uh, one of my major haunts. With with over three decades of experience and all the things that you've done, and if that keeps you up at night, you're, you're constantly educating the world. You're helping me with all your books, with your papers. You're helping people stay safe from being victims of ransomware attacks and all the hacking scams on the internet. So I could see why that certainly is a fear that you have. And Hopefully, we as people can work together using all this knowledge and the tips and tools and things that are out there to make this world a little bit safer. Scary place. Hey, Roger, maybe you can help us. Um, what's wrong with some of the everyday computer defenses and what are some ways that we could possibly fix them? You, you talk about this a lot and have got some good insight here. Yeah, you know, it, it's... Um, the wild thing is that a big part of the problem and why the internet and computer security is so porous is that we don't concentrate effectively on the right things. This is an allegory, but imagine if somebody was breaking into your house and every time they broke into their, your house, they came through the window. Mm -hmm. uh, and this happened all the time, let's say for a year. 
And in response, you trying to fight this problem, you went, nah, I think I need a stronger door because you've heard about thieves that could break through doors and you are worried about the door and the wooden door is not enough. So you go out and you buy a metal door and then the thieves keep breaking through the window beside the door. And you're like, man, that, that is really problematic. Uh, I think I'm going to put more locks on the door. And then imagine it goes on for over three decades and you've never addressed the window problem. That's essentially what happens in computer security. The biggest problem, and let me say, in my entire career, I rarely meet uh, a company that is fighting computer security well. Uh, most people are fighting the wrong problems. And it comes down to these days, uh, social engineering is responsible for something like 70 to 90 percent of all uh, malicious hacking attacks. Unpatched software is responsible or involved in another 20 to 40 percent. They kind of overlap many times. And then you have, you know, password issues and password guessing or, and those sort of things. But anyways, those two or three issues account for 99 percent of all successful attacks. But if you look at the IT or IT security budgets of any organization, they devote less than 5% of the resources to those attacks. Like take social engineering alone. It's 70 to 90%. It's involved into 70 to 90% of all malicious attacks. Yet most organizations spend less than a few percent on it. And it's this fundamental misalignment that allows hackers and malware to be so successful. You know, it isn't like hackers and malware are doing something drastically different. If I look at the attacks and the way that they're done, social engineering and buffer overflows and all this stuff, it really hasn't changed much. The same nine or 10 ways that people broke into devices and environment are pretty much the same ways. There may be some fine tuning, there may be a refocusing, you know, like ransomware is just doing the same things, but professionally, corporately, uh, but it's the same things. And it's really weird that we get distracted. And let me say that it isn't it, it isn't accidental. I mean, so, so and I, in my, I wrote a whole book on it a couple of years ago called A Computer Data-Driven Defense. It's my magnum opus. It's the book. I've got just finished up my 13th book on ransomware. And the, the data-driven defense is the book I care about the most because it teaches this about this fundamental disconnect. But people oftentimes will tell me, well, why aren't we concentrating on the right things, right? Why aren't we putting the right defenses in the right amounts in the right places against the right things? And I said, well, it's a lack of focus. And I got a whole chapter in that book, Data Driven Defense, uh, on that. But I, I even look like I look at all of our regulations today. Let's say GDPR, PCI, DSS, HIPAA, Sarbanes-Oxley, if you name it. I've taken a look recently at the top 20 computer security regulations or new security framework or whatever it has, cybersecurity framework. And they're all, it's amazing that it will be 80 pages, hundreds of controls, and literally three of them will be about social engineering. Or in PCI DSS, there's eight pages on how to correctly configure and monitor and maintain your firewall. Well, firewalls pretty much don't work that well against today's threats. Matter of fact, the Biden did an executive order saying, hey, we need to do zero trust and zero trust as firewalls don't work. Yet there's eight pages, dozens of controls all related to firewalls. And yet fighting social engineering is, I think, the eighth recommendation. And it's a couple of sentences and it's three controls possibly. And so not only are we being distracted, but we're literally being trained by the leading secure cybersecurity organizations to not look at computer security correctly. We are being trained to look at the door 
over and over and over again. People are like, man, it's just really crazy that the peeps keep coming through the windows. I even, I was watching, uh, and I hate to go on, Scott, to get all energized, but I was watching um, a cybersecurity insurance uh, industry presentation by a, a really respected insurance company. And the speaker was fantastic. And I'd gone up first and he's like, Roger's right. Social engineering is this big deal. Got to fight social engineering. And then he had a slide that said 99% of ransomware attacks can be prevented by using multi-factor authentication, MFA. And I was like, not true. And then he had a slide that said, this is what your company needs to do to fight ransomware. And it had all of these things, none of which were fighting social engineering. And I'm like, ah! like literally the guy giving the talk was just giving me accolade after accolade. Rogers Wright, social engineering, social engineering. That's not what his slide says. That's not what he talked about. There is this fundamental disconnect. An outsider might even think we're intentionally trying to let hackers and malware into our environment by how badly we mess it up. Oh, man. Well, you mentioned ransomware, and, and I think that's it, probably one of the biggest problems that we're seeing now, at least mostly reported on, especially with this, with extortion now, when you look at the payouts, they're getting higher and higher. It, it's starting to now hit a lot of different verticals. In your opinion, Roger, looking at that, and especially talking about some of the stuff you mentioned with social engineering, what is it really going to take to stop this disaster ransomware for growing and growing? Every, and my, again, my 13th book that I just finished up for Wiley is called The Ransomware Protection Playbook. It's not out yet, but it's coming out soon. But, it, you know, it, it talks about this, that it's everything I just said, which is every company organization needs to focus better on social engineering, uh, better patching the software, and then the using either MFA and or password hygiene password policy issues and that sort of stuff. Those three things account for almost all of the risk. Yet. Uh, there will be, there's always like, oh, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? And there'll be a hundred other questions you have to ask about a whole lot of other stuff. But the reality is, as long as we let the thieves rob the banks and get away with it, they're going to continue breaking into our, or there is, if you were to go to every, like, uh, uh, kind of thinking a lot, but like, I love Biden's executive order that said, hey, we're going to push these local controls and we're going to use the government's buying power to, you know, make everything better. And I'm like, it's great, but do we not already have enough local controls? Do we not have mm -hmm. enough regulation and reckon? Is there someone in this world that doesn't know that they're supposed to patch? Mm -hmm. The problem isn't that we don't have enough good guidance uh, it's not focused, but at least like we all know, got to use a strong, complex password. I should be using MFA. I need to be patched and blah, 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 blah. The problem is that it's hard to do that perfectly. And then when the criminals can do it and get away with it and never get caught, that is really what we got to take care of. So we actually have to take care of the global cyber criminal problem. We actually have countries that are cyber criminal safe havens that actually encourage the stealing an implementation of ransomware. Russia is certainly one of them. It's, uh, but there's lots of, you know, North Korea is another where they literally are funding their country by allowing cyber criminals to attack and invade other people. And let me say, every country is attacking every country. When you pull in the nation state thing, you know, America's got as many <laughs> nation state attacks going out as anyone. 
But we're not out, our nation state is not out stealing currency and money and cryptocurrency from individuals and individual companies. Uh, but we need to come to this global agreement about we need to have a digital Geneva Convention that talks about what isn't and isn't allowed. And when it's not allowed, that all the countries must go, listen, if it's ransomware against this organization, it's illegal and we'll arrest those people. If it's an attack against another country's energy infrastructure, we're going to declare that illegal and we'll arrest those people. So there needs to be a coming together with the digital Geneva Conventions that all the countries sign on to that say this is or isn't acceptable. And when it's not acceptable and you send us evidence of that sort of attack, we'll enforce your subpoenas, your warrants. Maybe we're not going to send each other's criminals, right? We're not going to send our, our, our cyber criminals to China. What we can say is that we're going to investigate them, arrest them, and detain them uh, within our own environment if they're breaking these agreed upon laws. So as long as criminals are allowed to get away with it, they're going to. So it's going to take uh, political and global cooperation with nations agreeing to enforce each other's cyber criminal laws on these agreed upon things. And lastly, it's going to take securing the internet, fixing the internet. I've written about a lot about this. If you put in Google or Bing, you put in fix the internet, Roger Grimes, you're going to get my white papers. But we can make the internet more secure by default by making some, by making changes that we can make today that will hurt no one. Uh, and if you don't want to be more secure, you don't have to be. There's a lot of privacy advocates and people like that that don't like my ideas, my solutions. So stay what you're on. You don't need to change a thing. But if you want more security, there are ways to do it. So it's going to take better local controls. It's going to take global political cooperation about what is and isn't allowed. And we need to make the Internet a far safer place to compute by default, because right now it's the wild, wild west and everybody can get away with everything. Yeah, well said, well said. Thank you, that's great. Uh, hey, you mentioned before about uh, multi-factor authentication. And we do hear that often and we know it is important. Uh, it does make a difference, but you wrote a really interesting book on this recently. And I was wondering if maybe you could share a little bit more, some of your viewpoint on how a multi-factor authentication, it's not the holy grail as everybody touts. And uh, you know, we, we'd love to hear a little bit more insight from you there, Roger. Yeah, I tell you, so the, the book I wrote, my 12th one is Hacking Multi-Factor Authentication. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, Kevin Mitnick, the no before chief hacking officer, did a demo of him hacking around MFA on LinkedIn and some other websites. And uh, he was so uh, we were so inundated by press calls and people going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe you did this. And uh, I even had friends that had been in cybersecurity for decades. They're like, oh, my God, you know, has Kevin reported this as a C new CVE, common vulnerability exploit? I'm like, what are you talking about? The method he used has been around for decades. The tool he used has been around for a decade. Like, this is the opposite of new. And then I was surprised of how many people thought if I use MFA, I can't be hacked. I was, in, again, in the cybersecurity industry webinar where they went 99% of ransomware attacks can be stopped by using MFA. There is this mistaken assumption that if I use MFA, that I, I have a much less, uh, you know, a, a far lower risk of being hacked. And let me say, a lot of my career has been spent hacking MFA solutions, but implementing. More than that, I've implemented a lot of MFA solutions. I am a PKI, smart card, MFA type of guy, and I've installed MFA solutions at hundreds of companies during my career. And the whole reason I'm working at before is that I started to realize that every company that I had installed a big, large MFA project, 
was still was still compromised. They still got compromised. How? Social engineering and unpatched software, right? They were tricked into running some Trojan horse program or they, you know, whatever it was. And I started to get depressed. I'm, I, I started, I remember I went home to my wife. I sat on a couch for a while, kind of despondent. And when I say for a while, I mean for months and months and months. I started to get depressed and I realized, oh my God, the number one problem uh, is social engineering and we're not really tackling it. And people are implementing these, they're buying $100,000 firewalls and advanced firewalls and intelligent threat detection. And we're still being compromised by the same things that we were compromised by 30 years ago. And we're not addressing them effectively. I literally quit my job and went to work for No Before because No Before is addressing the biggest problem, how to mitigate social engineering. So I'm here to tell you this. MFA will not save you. MFA is a good thing to use. Use it where you can to protect valuable information. But the, the most common, most loved MFA solution doesn't work with 2% of the world's websites and services. So, and most people I know are actually using a combination of multiple MFAs, uh, meaning that, you know, their bank uses one MFA, they use another one, they go to Facebook or Instagram, they use another with this app. So most of us have multiple MFA solutions. The average person also has three to seven passwords that they use across 170 websites that don't support MFA, <laughs> you know? So use MFA where you can, You're, use good passwords where you can, but the number one way that you're going to be compromised is social engineering, typically through a, a Trojan horse program, and number two, uh, unpatched software, you know, and then your password and MFA, those three things. And what's amazing is how many people think, oh, I got MFA, I can relax. Matter of fact, I, I, it's shocking. I do a lot of webinars and, and, and presentations on this, but I show people, I can send you a regular looking phishing email. That all it is, is I trick you into going to a fake website that has a lookalike website or what's called a proxy. It's a man in the middle attack. Everything you type in gets proxy to the website. Everything the website sends back to you gets through the man in the middle site. That will compromise 90 to 95% of all MFA solutions. Literally a standard looking social engineering email. And let me say, this isn't new. They've been doing it for 20 years. Every company, let me say again, every company I know that has implemented MFA has still been successfully hacked. How? Social engineering and unpatched software. I don't have to be a rocket scientist. This isn't new. It's been that way for three, for three decades. The attacker's been coming through the window and we've been making better doors. And it makes me think, Roger, listening to, to a couple of these different things that you talk about, a lot of times people that come to me often will say, Scott, you know, cybersecurity, it's confusing. It's a lot of money. I don't know where to spend the money. They, they almost get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and listening to what some of the things that you say, there's really some common sense things that people can do, the, these best practices that can actually combat social engineering and other basic problems that are very closely tied to humans. So from your perspective, does it take a lot of money to spend to keep a, a maybe a small business safe these days? No, no it really what it takes is focus. And uh, most of the stuff, like when I tell you the second best thing you can do is do better patching, that is everybody's doing it. Everybody's trying to do it. The difference is, is that people don't realize it's so, so important. So I go, let me say this. I've never been scanned a computer in my life or router or anything that was 100% patched ever in my career. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, we're, we're trying to do it, but it's, it's, you know, easier said than done. But what I try to tell people is 
Uh, at, there was 18,103 vulnerabilities last year where you told to patch. Only 2% of those were ever exploited. You'd be far better concentrating on what is most likely to be exploited and patching those things 100% than trying to do it all. It's a lack of focus. You know, what's going to be exploited? Your browsers, your browser add-ins, you know, Microsoft Office, if you've got Windows, your operating system, literally 2%. And this is not new. This is pretty much every year. And 2% is on the high end. Every year, only about 2% of the exploits get exploited. And those are the ones you need to make sure that you're 100% aggressively patched about. And fighting social engineering? Yeah. Start. If you want to decrease the risk of social engineering the best in your environment, you need to deploy the best you know, combination of policies, uh, technical defenses and education. Most people mess up with the education. You should be instructing your employees at least once a month. Your employees should get a one to three minute video or something like that that educates them about the latest popular types of attacks. Then you do simulated phishing at least once a month. And if someone fails that simulated phishing test, then they have to take more training. Like literally, we have customers uh, that come to us at Nova for the average customer, the ability to fish their employees is around 30%. Usually it's higher than that. But meaning if you, and it's so funny, they always go, our employees won't fall for it. Our employees, like we hear that all the time. And then you send out a phishing test, a simulated phishing test that like nobody should fall for. Like you're looking like no one's going to fall for this. It's the misspellings in it. It's not coming from the right place. It doesn't even call our, our HR department the right name. No one's falling for it. And then 35% of the people fall for it. But if you start doing training and simulated phishing tests to back up that training, that's part of the training, you will get that down to be below 5%. And people go, well, that means that, you know, you're going to always have somebody who's going to click on an email. That may be true, but patching is never 100%, right? All the other, that your password policies and your MFA use is never 100%. The whole idea is that you want to have a strong layered defense in depth set of defenses so that if something falls through the cracks and gets by something, the other thing will catch it. That's what, what we mean by defense in depth. The problem is, is that so many people have the policies and technical defenses handled, but they don't have the education. That's our, our argument is for equal time. You should care as much about the education as you do the technical defenses. And if you do the education, it's actually more effective than the technical defense. And it certainly is far cheaper. Yeah, yeah, great, great insight there from Roger Grimes. Th thank you so much. Hey, Roger, how can people learn a little bit more about some of the great stuff that you're doing, uh, your writings, your books, the stuff you're doing at Know Before? What's the best way for people to our viewers to reach out to you? I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. So if you do like at Roger A. Grimes on Twitter or LinkedIn, look for Roger A. Grimes. I, I post uh, two, two to five times a day. I write two to three articles a week, typically just out of my head. Uh, so I'm very active and aggressive. If you send me an email at uh, rogerg at knowbefore.com, rogerg at knowbefore.com, I'll always respond to you within 24 hours. I help out people. I get probably 30, 40 emails a day from people around the world. And I respond to each and every, it takes me hours every day, but I'm, that is, it's my reason for living is to help us have better computer security. So if you've got a question, feel free to email me, contact me on LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that. Great. Well, again, thank you so much for your valuable time there. And thank you, Roger, for all you do, keeping us all safe. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Scott. And thanks for everybody for listening.